Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and this is The Department, a podcast about trends, taste, brands, and products. Welcome to episode 22. If you don't remember the last episode, maybe because you drank too much eggnog over the past couple of weeks, uh, we're in the midst of a slumber party series right now. <laughs> no, we're actually and in the midst of a slumber party. We have- We are, yeah. We're, we're like, <laughs> we, I traveled from afar from LA <laughs> over- to Amanda. Kim's here with her unicorn sleeping bag that's not very warm, but is really cute. And we're here in our huge t-shirts. Huge t-shirts. I know. I remember you talking about the huge t-shirts and I was like, but didn't everyone, because I feel like every slumber party I went to, everyone had huge t-shirts because you were constantly gifted huge t-shirts. It's true. I don't know why. But they're like, oh, you'll grow into it. <laughs> I remember that. Was the thing. growing into a t-shirt. <laughs> Like a giant, a giant t-shirt. I mean, the t-shirts I was wearing to these slumber parties, I would have to be like six foot five right now yes. to have grown into. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we're in the slumber party series, not actually having a slumber party, unfortunately, although I wish in a figurative sense we are. Um, so we decided that no slumber party was complete without some hair talk because it was like hair was everything in the 80s and 90s. And trust yeah, me, you're going to learn everything. all about it today. Um, side note, we all look terrible, but it was still important. <laughs> Before we dig into this, please mm -hmm. make sure to follow us on your favorite streaming service if you don't already. And if you have a moment, maybe you could just even pause right now, give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling really expressive, like you have so many feelings you want to get out there, <laughs> <laughs> Throw in a review. It'll make you feel good. It'll make us feel good too. Yeah, exactly. It's a gift to everyone. As a reminder, we're going to talk about tons of articles and YouTube commercials and images and all kinds of things. It's all available on our website, thedepartment.world. And we also have an Instagram at underscore the underscore department that is growing a really great community and it's filled with so much fun and nostalgic content. Mm -hmm. We'd love to have you. We so, would. You know, we make sure to follow us. Um, you know, before we jump in, um, you know, since this is all about the hair trends from the 80s and 90s and what we're going to you know, kind of share with everyone is what we really find is that celebrities and actually really their hairstylists were the key driving force behind a lot of these hair trends. Um, so Amanda, you know, do you have any hairstyle icons from back then? Oh, well, I mean, if we want to go way back to like when I was in kindergarten, it was Annie. <laughs> <laughs> from wow. the hit Broadway musical and film. And my grandma took me to the beauty salon. And I mean, it was a beauty salon. It was like a grandma hair salon, right? Uh -huh. In kindergarten to get me a perm because I loved Annie so much. And my grandma just wow. wanted me to be happy all the time. 
<laughs> did you have short hair or long hair? I had short hair. I actually did not have long hair ever until mm. I was in my late 20s. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but oh, and I would just say when I became a teenager, it was all about Drew Barrymore. Yep. All the time. And I know it was the same for you. Exactly. Drew Barrymore defined my hair decisions. And actually, so did Claire Danes. Um mm, my yeah, wife I can see that. Was that was like I think that was like eighth grade or something, and seventh or eighth grade or something. And you know, we went we went red and you got the long bob. I mean, most most people did that were kind of a little bit um uh, a little more alternative. And then we moved into the <laughs> Drew Barrymore. Yes. We were there for a long time. We were there for a long time. And she really had a great hairdresser. Mm-hmm. And she was adventurous enough. And I was super adventurous. Like, I got the baby bangs and the bob. And then I got a super short boy crop. I dyed my hair blonde. I had it red. I had it orange. Um my senior portrait, I had my mother send me one, send it to me. I'm going to actually send it over to you, Amanda. I don't know if I've shared this one with you. Here oh, we I go. can't wait to see this. Because I sent you the um, the kind of Drew Barrymore bob that I had that was blonde. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had that hair for a big chunk of high school, not all of it. Mm-hmm. But that exact haircut, like I could remember what it felt like to have that hairstyle on my head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm wearing a Banana Republic top. <gasps> Oh, this haircut. I had this haircut too for mm-hmm. a pretty decent amount of time. Like I left for college with like shoulder length dyed from the cheapest hair dye, black hair, which I'd had for mm-hmm. like the last year of high school. And the first week of classes, I just was like, I can't take this anymore. I went to a salon and I got this haircut, the one yeah. you have in your photo. And then I went to Ricky's R.I.P., the best yes. drugstore ever. And the person who worked there gave me, literally got out a notebook and ripped out a piece of paper and wrote down the exact instructions to bleach the dye out of my hair and go platinum blonde. And yeah. then I bought it all and I went home and did it and it actually worked. <laughs> so. Wow. <laughs> I know. I and, actually think that we had pretty similar. We, we would have been totally friends. Oh, for sure. In high school. We would have sure. looked very similar. Totally, totally. <laughs> well, let me jump in. Um, so the 80s and 90s, they were all about hair, as Amanda had mentioned earlier. Like everything, everything. was hair. Your hair was your crowning jewel. And not surprisingly, a lot of the trends were dictated by celebrities of the era. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to right now, where I feel like it's like a more of a peer-to-peer thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I was actually thinking about that recently. I That's think that some retro that. looks. Yeah, because we were talking, we were talking about the the Queen's Gambit and how a lot of people are doing a baby bang again mm-hmm. because they see that. And I think that's you. You are inspired a little bit by TV, but we're not. We're not all watching the same thing, and celebrities just don't have the same power as they used to. Um, yeah, they're not yeah. they're not used as much in commercials. They're not used as much as smoke spokespeople. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not I'm not sh- I'm not totally sure why. I think that's really interesting. I think the Kardashians, yes, <laughs> like they like, definitely. It's like with their hair. I don't even know. You know, I, I don't know. It's just I think, like I mean, not it's a hair fake. time. I guess. No, yeah, it's not. It's not a hair time. It's actually, I think, a, more of a, a body time. Or I don't know. That's actually really that's really good. Um, 
it's a really interesting one to dig into. I mean, right now there's definitely no hair because yeah, no, you can get, get to a salon. Yeah. So, yeah. I uh, would say what I have noticed, not to totally go down some mm-hmm. other road right now, is that I do think despite the fact that we're all at home, it's turning into a makeup time. Because I'm seeing some really amazing makeup looks and people Mm -hmm. are sort of like, who cares if I'm at home? It just gives me more time to experiment. And I'm talking like extreme makeup looks, not like this like no makeup look of Glossier. Like it's a totally different direction. And I think it's born from us all being at home and having time to play around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, even like people dressing up. I'm noticing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. People dressing up. I'm, I'm noticing some some like bod pictures of like people who've been in quarantine for like almost a year and they and are revolutionizing their physique. And I'm like, whoa. Um, yeah, but hair, that's just not it's 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 not the um it's not the I don't know, the driving force right now. Yeah. But back in the eighties, it was. So the eighties, the hair trend was all about size. Um, and it was essentially a science experiment into um, going against the laws of gravity and physics and just like the general <laughs> biology of your hair protein. Oh, my God. I know. I feel like – and you can tell me if I'm wrong. But I feel like in this century, especially in the last few years, we've kind of all come to like play up your natural hair, right? Yeah. Like – your hair's wavy. Here are ways you can emphasize the waviness. You've got straight hair. That's great too. But the 80s and 90s were all about – like specifically the early 90s were all about like totally who cares what you already have. Just mm-hmm. change it completely. Change it. Don't embrace who you are. And people were crying because they didn't have curly hair, you know? Uh, I mean, that was me. girls crying because, <laughs> yeah. That's, and then you get the perm and the perm isn't as 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 nice as the, well, as like the really professionally styled, you know, perms or natural. You know, you just kind of look like a poodle. Oh, my. I mean, listen, the perms <laughs> of that era, I, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a statistician. I would – hazard a guess that 95% of perms were a fail. (laughs) 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 They really, I have some pretty bad, I mean, I won't post these on on social media. They're so bad. (laughs) It's like kind of weird, long, grown out, like really just a bad, Uh, like, what's his name? Rick Spector? What is it? Just like that. Phil Spector. Phil Spector. Phil Spector. Phil Spector. (laughs) that, That type of perm. On like a middle school girl, oh, <laughs> just with glasses and hand braces. Oh, exactly. So. That's what I was gonna say. So my best friend growing up, Laura Curley, got a perm in oh. like sixth or seventh grade. And Kim, I'm telling you, by the time we graduated from high school, that perm was still growing out. I don't no. understand. <laughs> it was like the world's most powerful perm. And she had braces the whole time. And, yeah, uh-huh. you know, it was just like the curse of being a teenager. But that was like mm-hmm. the world's most powerful perm. Yeah. <laughs> like she really got her money She really did. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and Amanda, you always say, I have no idea how we still have hair. And it's really because <laughs> of the perms and then all the other crap that we did to it and teasing. And like, you know, so the 80s was a decade of excess, you know, 
this new generation emphasized individuality, except for everyone having a perm, but individuality, materialism, and consumerism. And it all was reflected in the fashions and the hairstyles of the 80s. So this big hair trend actually came out of the 70s. You know, a lot of like discotheques, a lot of like, um, you know, country singers. It's just like that, that hair, that bouffant was really popular, but it kind of just turned into super curly bouffant and bigger and bigger mm-hmm, and bigger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like my mother had a, I was, we, were, we were on a phone call for Christmas and she was talking about her, um, her wig that she had in the seventies that she paid $50 for. Whoa, that's a lot of money in the seventies. It was, and it was a really nice, and it, cause she had really short hair. And um, I think at the time though she didn't have really short hair, but she to get that that height and that effect, we wore um, a wig to get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and when it, we move into the eighties, you just permed your hair, oh. and that's how you got it. Yeah. So it moved from like the wigs, which were super normal, like everyone wore a wig, to and then they stopped wearing wigs. They just permed their hair and just put a bunch of like crap in it. Oh. Um, but during the eighties, you know, we did actually everything. And I mean everything to look like our favorite celebrities, actors, models, supermodels were big then, you know? And most notably, there was a ton of influence coming out of the music world. Mm -hmm. Musicians and rock culture was a driving force, particularly because MTV became huge. Yes. And that brought also the supermodel culture. It was, you know, all of that. Everyone was just kind of crowding around their their icons um so we have all these style role models to look up to then more than ever and they're all sporting the trendiest most fabulous looking hair and it was all defined by these trend forward stylists so i mean you can only imagine like there was celebrity hairstylists back then that were you know creating all these amazing you know these looks and so volume came in the form of teasing hairspray and most notoriously the perm we did talk about the perm trending for teen boys lately if you do remember from one of our (laughs) earlier episodes so this is kind of why we think it's so shocking you know we saw it in the 80s and it's something so dated and something so smelly and i'm sure there's some advances in the perm um Science, science you know perms. Right now, I can't imagine. I'm googling home perm because, like, did you ever get a perm at home? I, you know, okay, I did get a perm at home, but it was by a a hairstylist because oh. my mother always loved to cut corners, and you know, because we're kids, like we don't need mm-hmm, the fancy. Mm-hmm salon perm so we would get perms at um at home from like a friend's friend who does hair and like it would be you know oh my god this is so know, funny bottom of the barrel it was the same thing for me right it's was everybody's mom having like a hairdresser friend come over and give them perms in the kitchen yes well we would also get them at the schools like that's the the hairdressing mm, schools oh, man, that's scary <laughs> Yeah. So it was like, it was like all experimental and just like, you know, fr- people just fresh, fresh into the school, learning how to give a perm. And you got like a middle schooler, you know? Well, I remember like home perm kits were huge in the 80s and you you could go to just like, you know, the drugstore and buy them. Mm-hmm. And so, and there would be commercials on television for them all the time as well. And so I was like wondering, do they still make home perm kits? 
They do. They do. They do. And I... the one that I remember yeah. specifically as a kid still exists, the Ogilvy home perm. Mm. But like mm-hmm. if if you've never had the pleasure of getting a perm, I think it's important to tell everybody it's a mm-hmm. really long process. Like mm-hmm. hours, hours and, and it hours. Burns. And it burns, it smells. Uh, like if you go to the salon to get it done, you know, they'd wash your hair and they'd have to put it in these little tiny rollers with paper. It would take forever and it would hurt your head. Then they'd put yeah. the stuff on. Then you'd have to sit under the dryer. Then they'd, you know, take it out and rinse it. But then there's like a whole thing. You can't get your hair wet for a day or two. Do you remember that? Yes. You couldn't You couldn't go swimming. You couldn't – yeah, you couldn't do a lot of things. It was a lot. Because of that. This is how much we wanted curly hair. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm sending you right now a pretty – this one's not so bad, but it's pretty bad. Um, picture of me in I think fourth grade, um, with my perm and my glasses before I get. Oh my god! It, before it got really, really bad. I can't <laughs> like, wait. I to can't see show this. You. I can't wait to see it. Oh my <laughs> god, dude! I feel like I mean I don't have a picture from this era of elementary school because yeah, you know, my mom's like not into saving stuff like that. But I swear to God, if you put us side by side. You would not be able to tell us apart because I swear I even have the same glasses. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to send you. I had that sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm, I think that was actually, it was a beautiful dress and it was purple. Oh, wow. But it was obviously a hand-me-down because all we did was wear hand-me-downs. I mean, what um, a beautiful perm though. So natural looking. I'm sending you oh, one that's like- just for your eyes only. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like crying. (laughs) So bad. I mean, you've kind of grown out. That's how we all looked then. I know. That's the thing. Like just human garbage. Like, mom, how did you let me? I know. I know. And I remember my mom being like, "Well, you know, we're gonna go get our pictures taken for Christmas. Let's get you a new perm first. (laughs) You know, like the thing is, our moms thought we looked good too." Yeah, you <laughs> did not look bad. <laughs> Didn't look bad. I actually remember my sister, my oldest sister Amy, got a perm the same time my second oldest. So it was three three girls. So um, Stephanie, who's about a year older than me, and Amy, who's like four years older than me, we all went to the um, the the beauty school and got perms. And Amy, <laughs> after the perm was done, she she looked in the mirror. She was horrified. She started crying and she immediately went home and washed it out. Oh. <laughs> she I, was smart. I mean, so the, smart. The thing is, we all looked like weird little middle-aged women. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so, so bizarre that we were all like, I'm eight and I would really like to look 52. <laughs> exactly. I'd like to look like a woman, a very sensible woman who works at a bank. Yeah, yeah, I want, yeah, I want to be, uh, yeah, <laughs> I want to work at a, a dental office. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, it's so bad. Um, well, <laughs> that's why it's so hilarious that teen boys are priming their hair to look like Timothy uh. Chalamet, and they're posting it all over TikTok, and we're just like horrified because obviously it's like such a traumatizing. Like all of our photos from that time period, you know, you can't basically share 
like years of photos because there's just it's just it's the, you're you're unacceptable <laughs> you just look <laughs> unacceptable but different types of perms trended differently during different different points hmm. um you know basically the size of the ruler even i showed the one i once i showed you there was a couple within a couple of years you know that perm was really big and bouncy that was like a brooke shields mm-hmm. old curls a sexy curl you know definitely the biggest but then it got really tight and so you know a couple couple of you know years go by and gets tight gets really frizzy like that frizz was actually trendy now you look at frizz oh. and it looks super damaged and gross but madonna who actually was essentially one of the largest style icons and oh, influencers in the 80s for sure i mean i'm gonna tell you i can't believe i didn't even think of this but i would say for mm-hmm. second through sixth grade like my goal was to be madonna and i had the yep. fried out nasty looking hair to prove it and while you yep. were talking i googled photos of her from the <laughs> 80s and i'm like oh my god that hair is disgusting yes it looks it looks like it just it's like all split ends oh <laughs> We all, we all did. We all did. It's funny. It's funny to hear you bring up frizz as a trend because mm-hmm. now we sell products to prevent to that. Defriz. Yeah. yeah. You made it. You purposely tried to achieve painful oh. frizz. So, so you know the other. You know the other style icons during that time was the Sarah Jessica Parker, Jennifer Grey, Dirty Dancing. Whitney Houston had a beautiful curl. Meg Ryan had a curl. And then, you know, mm-hmm. Melanie Griffith curl. That was a big oh, frizz. Yeah, yeah. And then Julia Roberts. That, that was the beautiful, long curl. You know, and I mean, if you look at the girl, the girls, we were just talking about this on Girl Talk Dateline from the last episode. <laughs> All those girls had that that oh. really dated frizzy some of them curve. were like i am gonna tell you that some of them looked exactly like girls i grew up with who yes. were like oh, a they, couple oh. years older than me like it was chilling mm-hmm. <laughs> well i think, I think that they, I, i'm wondering where they got these photos like if they went down to the mall and just pulled photos from glamour shots or something yeah because they weren't models no, even the boys, it was like the settings were all different. Like some were, you know, like a room. Some looked like they had like some like Venetian blinds behind them. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> what, what are these stock photos of like boys and girls? That you, it's hilarious. Oh. But also, you know, what was really popular in that time and what you would see on the Girl Talk Dateline um, was the complimentary Big Bang or what you might call uh, the Mall Bang. Oh, yeah. It was a... Different different levels of teasing, spraying to achieve various levels of height and wave. Christina Applegate had a really, really good bang in the 80s. Um, you know, I, I had the I had a little bit of a bang. I, I, you know, the my sister Amy, I think, was more into the bang than we were. We had a bang, but but we didn't really do the full bang. She did it. Um, I know that like the the, the kind of older, trendier girls did that big mall bang. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, and you, you really, you really tried to, to look like Julia Roberts and Melanie Griffith, but you just kind of never got no, there. No, when it it was so bastardized. <laughs> did you do a bang? It did, um, yeah. By the time it got to the Midwest, you know, it yeah. wasn't looking like the California girl. So I did not do a bang, and I was actually really, really bad at doing hair, or at least what the. 80s 90s they didn't 
teach you. Yeah. They didn't teach you how to use any of the product or any of no. this. You had to try to figure it out yourself. And there was not a YouTube channel. No. There's no Instagram to go to to tell you how to make your hair no, look good. No, no. And I'm going to tell you, the teen magazines did not show you how to do that no. because they thought it was passe by the time you and I were like in middle school. And so I never had hair like that. I would sometimes have bangs, but they would just be like normal flat lying bangs or frequently my, most of my life I've had a nice center part as I do now. And I remember once in biology class in seventh grade, the girls took me in the bathroom and they teased and sprayed my hair until I had mall bangs oh. and everybody thought I looked super hot. Oh my God. But I was never, I came home and my mom was like, what happened to your head? Oh. <laughs> so I never had my them God. again, but that one day in that the sun one, with my hot oh, mall bangs. Oh my god! Everyone thought they were super sexy in yeah, middle school. Yeah, we were like, "Whoa!" Or, no, yeah, no, no. yeah, it was like Ooh. seventh grade. Okay, people thought I looked hot. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, well, you know, so the Jerry Curl was popular in the black community as like a different conversation with the perm and it had that like really kind of glossy look they call it mm -hmm. um i think of michael jackson and then when i really think about it i think of the boyfriend eric lasalle from coming oh. to america yeah, remember when he was like, damn so then alongside side perms was the crimp which was the homemade texture. And Amanda will be getting into, I believe, the history of oh, yes. some more. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit here for very long. Um, but it had allowed that look to be achieved at home and to avoid the chemicals of the perm, which were super popular with a lot of teen celebrities. Um, so then this spawned what we like to call the rocker girl hair. And that was more of a femme mullet or a spiked girl mullet, or just extreme hair of the hair metal attitude. You know, rocker girl as an aesthetic was really popular in the 80s. Again, because of MTV, you know, it was definitely everywhere. There was even Barbie and the Rockers. Just like rocker. I remember it was like a Halloween costume. You went as a rocker, a rock and roll girl. <laughs> definitely did that. <laughs> Me too. Definitely did it. Because you, know, you kind of wanted to dress like that anyway, but it was like a little too it didn't fit well with, you know, who you were as a person, but you really wanted to look like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so then the perm was the ultimate, but really there was other trends that hit. So half up and half down, you know, you'd see that just a kind of a basic, usually with like a scrunchie, you'd see something mm -hmm. that was called the whale spout, which was the Debbie Gibson really high half up ponytail. Yeah, I had that in seventh grade for sure. Yep, the whale spout. My, or my the... teacher called me Fraggle Rock. Sh shut up. <laughs> God, how traumatic. <laughs> oh, my God. You remember so much. I feel like I just kind of block it all out. It's amazing to me because I did all those rave drugs oh. in my early 20s. Your memory should have been wiped clean. I know. <laughs> So then there was even higher, I was called the palm tree. And that was what Paul Abdul embraced. That was two scrunchies. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that these had names. So I'm really excited. Me to be neither. I mean, this is like opening my eyes. Uh -huh. And then there was the high side scrunchie situation. That was a little bit, a little younger. It was mm -hmm. DJ Tanner did that. Mm -hmm. I would do that um, too. And that was more of the suburban look. I think more and more like middle schoolers and high schoolers kind of did that one because it was a little more casual, but also kind of, you know, mm -hmm. fun. 
Mm -hmm. know, the French braid was huge back then. And I remember a story from my childhood because my mother learned about how to French braid hair from a nurse at her annual physical, literally, (laughs) as she was drawing our blood. This woman, then after she drew her blood, she showed my mother how to French braid our hair. So that opened up lots of it was amazing. I mean, it was a very, it was reserved for only special occasions, like a church, like going to church or maybe like a school orchestra recital. Oh, totally. I was going to say school orchestra for sure. True. Orchestra. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I, I remember also the large bow was really big then. And, and mm-hmm. that was also reserved for church or school. Totally. And I would never wear them any other time because it was far too dressy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually, it would just be my ugly perm, you know. And then, you know, there was shorter styles. There was like the asymmetrical bob, like salt and pepper had that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. that was much more a much reserved for an older, an older girl. Not really. You didn't really see a lot of that in um, in our in school. Um, But then, you know, you did see the actual mullet, um, like Billy Ray Cyrus, that was really popular at that time. A.K.A. Miley Cyrus's dad. Yeah, exactly. For those younger listeners, Billy Ray Cyrus, the achy, breaky heart, had the had the mullet. I think that was for kind of um, less city city life. You know, we were in Madison, Wisconsin. You know, so I think when you went up north, you saw more of the mullets. <laughs> you know, um, but then Princess Di really had her own thing going on there. And since this is a trend podcast, I had to learn a little bit more. And I would love to talk more about this. So I'm not going to go super deep into it. Um, but I, I wanted to understand that haircut and what it meant. You know, I've only just started watching The Crown and I haven't gotten to the D- Lady Diana season yet. But oh my God, it's so good though, right? No, no, it is so good. And so good. Princess Di inspired an 80s subculture. So Diana was the ultimate, what they call Sloan Ranger, which references the nickname assigned to English girls who live near Chelsea's Sloan Square in the early 80s. And Diana was considered a super Sloan, according to the 1982 Mm. seminal, The Official Sloan Ranger Handbook, which is kind of like a mockery of it. It's kind of like supposed to be a little bit funny. Um, And it's not just because she belonged to a certain family and had been educated at certain schools, but because she embodied a certain kind of quiet luxury and shied away from ostentation. So the Sloans were basically to Great Britain what the preppies were to the United States. And so that's Mm. kind of where that hair came from. But there's a ton about the Sloans. And I think that would be super fun to talk about, you know, uh, the preppies and then the Sloans and kind of where that all comes Mm -hmm. from. All right. So then the peak of big hair moment was about 1987 from my research. 1987, that's it. And then it started devolving from there. And then when we hit the 90s, we saw a real minimization of hair, which often happens with trends as they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Then everyone just gets super sick of them really quickly. And it just sways into the opposite direction. So it just like flips away from excess. So it's kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, like norm core you know, will slip to something, you know, or flip to something a lot more loud, probably after, you know, the quarantine, we're going to see a lot of dressier things and a lot of bolder, brassier things would be coming. Same thing happens with the 80s hair. So big hair suddenly becomes quote unquote tacky. And that it really is the definition now of what we call tacky. And it, it is. It 
interesting. In 1990, Ghost came out. And Demi Moore popularized this short haircut in the U.S. But there was a bit of a scandal about this cut. So apparently Demi was in Paris right before filming. I mean, this is what I hear, okay? I heard this story. Okay. Um, so, you know, it could it could have come from somewhere else. But I heard that she was in Paris filming uh, right before filming started on Ghost. And this pixie crop she had in the film was all of the rage in Paris. So she got the cut and showed up on set much, set much to the shock of the film crew who were not pleased. But it turned mm. out to be a very fashionable style that a lot of women wanted to emulate. Um, you know, this style was undoubtedly influenced by Linda Evangelista's similarly dramatic cut in 1988. Oh, yeah. Which just iconic. Iconic. And it shook the fashion world. And Evangelista was subsequently canceled from all of the big shows that season when she showed up with the haircut, only to successfully rebound almost immediately. So the cut, which helped Moore reestablish herself as a more versatile actress, also marked the beginning of what would become a very androgynous period in fashion, with women everywhere emulating this short boy-like crop. And short hair was really big, as we were just talking about in the 90s. So um, at least as a trend for those daring enough to really try them, you know, we've got a ton of icons just who went short. And I would almost argue that young celebrities would get like kind of a cool edgy cut to stand out and get featured in more tabulo tabloids, teen magazines, fashion magazines, and get more news coverage. Because when you got a cool haircut, you, you were shown more, like you just looked cool. So mm -hmm. they were the tastemakers of the era more so than ever. Drew, Winona, Hallie, Gwyneth, Meg Ryan, Tony Braxton, Jada Pinkett, even Sinead O'Rebellion. It was like the opposite of the 80s style. Everyone got like a short, a short, short haircut. And then bobs were super fashionable. And I think Drew really crushed the bob. The bob with the baby bang. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. it looked out. Sometimes it was kind of layered. Natalie Portman in The Professional. Reese had it. Winona had a really kind of good one, like a really kind of um, bad girl mm -hmm. one. Angela, Angela had one from My So-Called Life. Claire Danes also. Um, and I think a lot of girls recreated that because they kind of – that that TV show really spoke to them. And it kind of opened up the doors to dyeing your hair at that time period, you know, like it became a thing. It was kind of during that grunge period. Um, so that long side parted bob with a red dye job was really popular. There was also in that shorter haircut, that pre-caring cut, which that weird layered bob, that dramatic oh, yeah. bob. And I feel like when you got that dramatic bob, you had sort of an attitude. Like those girls mm – -hmm. It was a pre-Karen. I'm not saying everyone had it. Everyone everyone turned out like that, but there was definitely it meant something. Um, other, you know, other trends during that time was like the poetic justice braids, which were those long ropey braids that Janet Jackson had for the movie. Those became really hot and they actually were called poetic justice braids. You even see like Dion and Clueless. Um, Brandy had really, really like skinny ones. Um, Lauren Hill too. So that really long braid. Um, and then that, remember that multi-layered updo? 
it was like a super hot red carpet slash going to prom look. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So the prom It was like, the you know, you put the pieces in front. Gwyneth showed up wearing them. Reese Witherspoon wore them. Kirsten Dunst. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and then, you know, like different hair twists and things. Um, uh, that, you know, Alicia Silverstone had these like ponytails it's just like that girly, just like all that that crap on top of your hair head, like raver style, and be like baby <laughs> spicy with with barrettes and crap. Um, Gwen Stefani, you know, was kind of that was kind of her namesake was like being really trend for with all that that kind of updos and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't always totally love her, but she really did start a lot of trends in my high school. Um, she did do that, like she did glam, she did femme fatale, but she did that cyberpunk girl and raver bun stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Indy, remember when she wore oh. that? Yes. <laughs> yes, I feel like I remember a couple people in my high school wearing that. I do have one really important trend before I wrap up, and I can't talk about 90s hair trends without talking about the Rachel. Oh my god, you know, I heard that that is back. Have you heard this? Really? <laughs> Did no. I dream this? <laughs> yeah, that I mean, not like our friends are doing this, but because we're all like quarantined, younger people who maybe didn't get to live through the first time Friends was around or like were too young are now like binging Friends because oh. I think it's on like HBO Max now. Like they have the exclusive rights, and girls are getting the Rachel haircut, which is crazy to me because I was looking at the photos of it in our doc and it looks so dated and so Karen no. adjacent to me. It is. It's it, it, it the the story is actually pretty pretty interesting and and okay, let me let me just get into okay. it, okay? So, you know, forget Madonna. The Rachel could arguably be one of the most influential haircuts of all times. Um the haircut by stylist Chris McMillan debuted in 1995 on the Friends episode, The One with the Evil Orthodontist. Mental Floss has this amazing article from 2019 from Jay Serafino that is elegantly researched and written. And it says, um, it has its roots in a shag cut layered and highlighted to TV perfection. It may have been a bit too Hollywood looking for a 20 something working for tips, but it fit into that world of friends <laughs> where spacious Manhattan apartments could easily be afforded by waitresses and struggling actors. During the show's second and third seasons in the mid 1990s, stories began to appear in newspapers and magazines about salons from Los Angeles to New York City and literally everywhere in between, being inundated by requests for Aniston's haircut. Some women would come in with their copy of the TV guide in hand for reference. Others would uh, record an episode of the show and play it at the salon to ensure accuracy. (laughs) For these stylists, a good hair day for Rachel on a Thursday night meant big business over the weekend. That show had made us or uh, had made us a bunch of money, Lisa Presley, an Alabama hairstylist, said back in 1996. Presley was giving around four Rachels per week to women ages 13 to 30, 
And she was touching up even more than that. Another hairdresser estimated that during that time, 40% of her business from female clients came from the Rachel. Wow. The funny thing is that the Rachel is actually a really hard style to maintain. It takes a stylist to perfectly blow it out and style it every day. It isn't one of those roll out of bed styles. And actually, it is one of Jennifer Aniston's least favorite haircuts. <laughs> so by the next season, that cut was grown out because it was nearly impossible to maintain. Right. Um, but I remember that that layered look with the straight with straight hair was really big for quite a few years where everyone got a layer. Like it was just huge mm-hmm, years. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, was like the fra- the face framing pieces as layers, um, as far as I can see, essentially. Um, so that's pretty much the Rachel. And I think that a lot of people, I think the Rachel, I think I, I definitely got some layers because that was kind of the thing, but I would never want to be a Rachel. I never, I, I never felt like I was a Rachel. Mm-hmm. And that, that was just not an achievable look either. And I don't think that a lot of people, when they went into getting the Rachel, realized how much work it would end up being. So it did end up going out of favor pretty quickly. Um, and then just lastly, you know, with men, I do remember a couple of hair trends. You know, obviously I was so much more preoccupied by women's hair trends, <laughs> but that, <laughs> that curtain hair, that floppy hair, Mm-hmm. Um, with the bangs like Leo frosted tips. Um, there was like, it was the shaved undersides with the floppy bang. And then George Clooney also had a huge hair moment. He then. did. <laughs> he did. And he was. And like Brad Pitt too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like anyone that won like the, the, um, what is it? The hottest guy. What Sexiest man alive. I mean, I'm, I'm sure. I'm assuming you're referring to the People Magazine Award. Yes, <laughs> I think that whenever whenever someone won that that hair trend for guys, usually was the hot look for that year. Yeah, it was. It was. It's funny they they have their trends too. Even just like mm-hmm. we were talking to Dustin's sister on Christmas Day, and she has this haircut that will seem so familiar to you from the early 90s of like shaved underneath, you know, and kind of floppy over. And Dustin was like, I had that haircut in high school. And I was like, yeah, that was a hair trend for boys for sure. I was, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, what really inspired this episode was a conversation where Kim and I started just recollecting somewhat fondly, somewhat regretfully, all of the crazy hairstyling implements that we were, that were, marketed toward tween and teen girls in this area era like yes i guess grown women could have used these tools but for the most part they were for girls who had tons of time on their hands to just spend on their hair possibly with poor to no results so yes i mean you you were at sleepovers you were at slumberers you're doing everyone's hair you wanted to look like madonna and or Tiffany. Oh my or gosh! Whatever. Yeah, and they, the thing they all had in common is their hair was trash. Uh, mm-hmm. Just trash by <laughs> it was trash. you know, like it had been trash. like sun in and perms and mm-hmm. like all the mm-hmm. hot implements, which we're going to talk about. And it's important for me to say I've never ever been good at hair. Period. I'm good at color, 
thanks to all of those patient people who worked at Ricky's NYC in the 90s. But like that's where my skill ends, which is why I've had the same long hair center part for the entire 21st century. I'm just I'm going with it, you know, I'm embracing my mm-hmm. natural hair. And it's your yeah, totally, totally. And I also wanted to add that where I grew up, which is not dissimilar to where Kim grew up, even though I wasn't in the Midwest, I was in rural Pennsylvania. It's the same thing, especially at that time. We were really behind on the hair trends. Like the mall bangs, I went to Mm -hmm. high school with girls who still had mall bangs. You know, I bet if I went back to Manchester, Pennsylvania now, I would still encounter some out in the wild there. And my school (laughs) in the girls' locker room had a special – corner with like a ventilation unit above it for hairspray because the permanent cloud of Aquanet was so bad that some of the students were getting respiratory issues. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like I've personally, I can't even stand the smell of hairspray, like especially something like Aquanet. I was more of a like salon selectives gal, which I know we're going to get to. Now that I can get get on board with. But despite – my lack of skills in the hairstyling area, which I was willing to admit I did not have. I was still obsessed with trying to be good at my hair. And, you know, like a lot of people that age, I had tons of free time. So I was always doing really time-consuming but unfortunate things to make my hair look better. For a while, I braided my hair into dozens of tiny braids every single night so that it would form waves, that like oh so aspirational look of a grown out perm. Like that's what I was going for. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sometimes I went to bed with those like pink sponge curlers in my hair. I wonder if they still make those. Oh yeah, they I mean they're classic. Do. They do work. I mean they're they're gra- it's like grandma utensils and. I mean, we wanted to be We grandmas. did, apparently. I never pieced it together <laughs> until you and I were talking tonight. And then I was like, oh, my God, we wanted to be grandmas. And I'm going to tell you, my mom was so worried that I would never be pretty or popular, that I would always have bad hair and be a weird nerd, which I still am, but I do have good hair now. And so she was always, like always, every holiday, every birthday, everything, giving me these like frightening and somewhat dangerous but definitely ineffective hairstyling tools. So I'm going to go through some of them. You're going to be surprised to hear how many of these I owned. (laughs) So I'm excited to take a stroll down memory lane as we reminisce about all of these gimmicky styling tools that gave almost all of us on multiple occasions forehead burns. Yes. Yes, like you did. You did your hair. You spent all this time, and then you're walking around with like with like a big burn on your your forehead or your neck. You know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, there's going to be well, there are going to be multiple recurring themes here, but one that is really important. It's going to come up with almost every implement. Is that these items were really great in theory, but they were terrible failures in practice. And I know Kim is going to agree with me on these because we've already talked about some of them. So I did spend a big chunk of this afternoon watching commercials on YouTube for the ones I could find, and uh, it was so amusing. I mean, God, no wonder we were buying all of these things. So first up, and I picked this one as the one to start with because it is the most absurd of all of them. It's 
Conair Geometrics. And that's and I had that everyone one. did, right? And it's just uh-huh. in case you're unfamiliar with this product, it's tricks with a CK. It's like a pun, you know? Uh-huh. So this was like the ultimate gift the year it came out, right? I think that they they had it on right during the Friday night prime time. Oh my God, I'm sure. I didn't even think of that. Like full house time. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, because they were really, really good at targeting their audience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just using TV ads to sell their products. And I have a feeling oh. that they just targeted it right then or maybe during like the, the cartoon, but the, like the later cartoon of the young kid cartoon time period on the Saturdays. Yeah, like, like Saved by the Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Totally, Saved by the Bell, yes. So the Geometrics was a styling kit. It was like one tool that was like the base that plugged in and generated the heat and everything. And it came with one, not one, but five attachments. Like I'm laughing yes. at this even now because I can't imagine how one tool could be five things. This is always a fail, right? It's one thing you know as yes. an adult is this isn't going to work out. So it came with a zigzag <laughs> iron, which I mean, it was kind of like a crimper, but like deeper. I spiral iron. So you can give yourself those spiral curls. Spoiler. Yeah. Those spiral irons never gave you spiral curls ever. Yeah, they ever. Um, there was a triangle iron, which was literally yeah. shaped like a triangle. And it never, it never worked. Always looked yeah. so weird. Always so weird. What a bad idea. It just looked what like the hair was a mess. There was a crimping yeah. iron and a straightening iron. And it also came – this was so funny because I was looking at pictures of the package and watching the commercial, and it came back to me. Like, I remembered this so vividly. It came with a free styling book that allegedly yes. had a value of $2.99. <laughs> and I remember that I, like, poured over that book. Like, it was going to clue me in to all the mysteries of life. And yet I never successfully made my hair look remotely no. good with that device. And imagine like trying to do the back of your oh, hair. A triangle. Like, trying to yeah. get that triangle. Yeah. yeah. Um, as Kim and I were talking about, there was definitely a year, and I think it was maybe sixth grade, but I'm, it all runs together, where every single girl in my friend group got this either for their birthday or holiday gift. And I, mine came in my Easter basket, I remember, and I was really excited, you know, because I was kind of one of my first friends to get it, so I didn't know what an epic fail it was yet. The slogan for this product was, girls know all the angles. (laughs) And I would just say that this product was not designed for anyone who actually wanted their hair to look good. I mean, it was just like future garbage from the moment you took it out of the box. I think you actually had to be a professional <laughs> to ever like a professional like a professional hair hairdresser to ever be able to get anything anything worthwhile out of that. Yeah, I mean it was it was terrible. And if I recall the crimping iron was okay. Crimping irons are pretty easy. Not but the rest good. of it made my hair look so terrible. Like I had been just out drinking all night and passed mm-hmm. out on my stoop. And that was not something I was familiar with in middle school, but as an adult, I remember being in an extremely hungover state, looking in the mirror and thinking, wow, my hair looks like I used that triangle iron. <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> the triangle iron. Gosh, I remember this thing so 
oh, yeah, because this was going to change your life. You were going to be the coolest girl in your school. But you walked in with really, that triangle just hair. Yeah, I know. Because yeah, on the front, it had pictures of the girl who was styled maybe with this iron. Maybe. Definitely not. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. In fact, she looked so The good. commercial showed all of these girls who were allegedly styled with this tool. And there was mm-hmm. – no way. And the commercial is available on YouTube. We'll share the link on the department website. It's definitely worth a, worth a watch. It's amazing. I mean, it's filled with girls with amazing hair. So I know that this tool is not involved at all. No, <laughs> this tool could not be. This hair looks amazing. Yeah. And there was a catchy song sung by someone who sounds just like Michael McDonald. Like, I doubt it was him, but it was someone going for a Michael McDonald vibe. So it seemed like the commercial was kind of expensive. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's important for us to take just a moment to talk about Con Air because they're going to be coming up a lot in this conversation. Like, this was when Con Air was running the world, and it was all thanks to kids like me and Kim. (laughs) And and literally probably every other um, women our age that's listening to this. Totally, totally. Because I will tell you that I didn't remember that all these products were made by Conair until I was researching this, and it kind of blew my mind how – how much real estate they were getting in our in our linen closet at my house. Mm-hmm. So Conair was founded in 1959 in a garage in Queens, New York, and Conair started out by selling hair rollers and then hair dryers, which makes sense because these are two things that they continued to carry forward. In 1972, Conair became a public company, but then went private again after a leveraged buyout in 1985. And I would say that this is when their business really started to pick up. It was owned by the co-founder and chairman, Leandro Rizzuto, until his death in 2017. But just for some added dirt here, in 2002, Rizzuto pleaded guilty to tax evasion associated with his tenure as CEO of Conair. And he went to prison for 20 to 37 months, or he was sentenced to 20 to 37 months. I don't know how much time he's actually there. Wow. Conair remains, even in 2020, one of the largest producers of hair care appliances, ranging from hair dryers and styling irons to its, quote, innovative hair <laughs> curlers. This is what their website says. Uh, the company also, this is really interesting. They manufacture a wide range of home kitchen appliances, specifically under a brand that I – this is like blew my mind, Cuisinart. Really? They own Cuisinart. Yeah. Does that's that blow your mind? Because it did my quality mine. brand. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't include this in my notes, but I want to say in Antigua, but it might be somewhere else, there is a Cuisinart hotel and resort. Oh. Where you can yeah. go, there's like known for their food. I don't know. Thought that was a little bit of a stretch, but mm-hmm. I totally would go to the Con Air Hotel for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god! Imagine all of the hair appliances in your room. I know it'd be crazy. We'd all look terrible, though. We'd terrible. all look terrible. <laughs> um, so, what everything that I'm going to talk about from Con Air in this late '80s, early '90s period is so gimmicky. And one of the things that they were really into were these like five-in-one, three-in-one kind of devices. Like they sold so much of this. So it's also important to talk about the Conair three-in-one trio, 
which specifically, as far as I could tell, I never owned this one, but my mom had it, Hmm. seemed to be for working with a really tight curl or perm. I mean, you know, they would help you maintain that and keep that very aspirational fresh perm look, you Mm -hmm. know. So included a tiny three and eighth inch rod, so very, very small, a five eighths inch rod, and then a round styling brush. And I can't even hear the word round styling brush without having like a panic attack because my mom was always trying to use those things on my hair and they would get tangled like immediately. I don't understand them. I think it a professional does. has to use them. I think these are just think really, so. just instruments for professionals, and like they're just putting them in the hands of completely unexperienced people totally. to hurt themselves. So next, continuing with the crazy innovations of Conair, there was the Conair Impressions. Oh, I remember this. It was amazing, right? It was mm-hmm. like a crimper, except it created shapes like indentations in your hair using heat in shapes of stars, hearts, and a lightning bolt. There was also a flat straightening plate, so it could be somewhat useful. I mean, Connor was just really into this, like, 17 looks in one kind of vibe, you know? I also had this one, and... What year was was this one? Because, like, straight hair... I was young. I feel like they just threw that straightener in there for your bangs or something. I had this and it was so useless. I mean, just so useless. Future garbage from the moment I bought it. I remember making hearts in my hair for Valentine's Day and my mom was like, what is going on with your hair? (laughs) It's weird and flat in different places. And I was like, yep, sounds about right. Um, The commercial, which was filled with magical sound effects and animation, urged girls to make an impression no one will forget. And uh, watching that oh, yeah. commercial, I could see why I wanted it. But then seeing other photos like in their magazine ads, I'm like, oh, this thing was obviously garbage. Garbage. <laughs> Just, I'm looking at it, yeah. I can't even imagine it's staying in there. Yeah, no, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. And we're going to share photos of all this stuff on our website. So don't worry. Also, their lightning bolt, it looks like a side M. Or a W. You or a double, yeah, or yeah. a W. It's not a lightning bolt. That's just some letters. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just such a bad idea. Oh, and then you can see, if you look really closely, you can see she's got, she's put the M's, but they just look like M's on her, on her bangs. Yeah, or birds flying. <laughs> really, really bad. I mean, this tool was such garbage. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what happened to it. I used it like twice. So next there is a tool, which I will say... Of most of the things I'm going to talk about was the most useful and had the best results and was a bit more sophisticated. It wasn't just for like 12-year-olds. It was Conair Hot Sticks. And they were these long, hot sticks (laughs) that you Mm -hmm. had to wrap your hair around and then lock them into a loop on the end. And on one hand, they actually worked. Unlike everything else I've talked about so far, your hair would look like really good. But on the other hand, you had to experience the agony of burning your hands while you rolled up your hair because the rod got hot. There wasn't like a cool end on it, you know? They also definitely burned and irritated my scalp. I mean, they were like really hot. It's like torture devices. Yeah, totally torturous. But a few years ago, my friend 
slash super talented stylist, Andrea Huzzabee, who was a stylist in Portland, Oregon. She styled my hair with some hot sticks that she's been kind of hanging on to since then. And my hair looked <laughs> amazing. So once again, you put these tools in the hands of a professional, uh-huh. you get good results. I don't think you would with the one that makes lightning bolts in your hair. I don't think anyone don't think can so. make that good. But the hot sticks were good. They were good. Dangerous. Well, I wonder if there's, like, there's any advancements now to the hot sticks where there's like something slightly better and not going to burn your hands. I mean, that would be amazing. I should definitely look around because they were – I'm a fan of a hot roller even now. I mean, obviously, I don't go anywhere, so I'm not doing that. But I'm interested in things like that. But this one was like painful. I used it a lot though. I mean, I remember using these all the time. And I swear I was like losing the feeling in the tips of my fingers <laughs> from rolling these up. Now, there was also a competitor's version that you could get confused with these because they came out around the same time called Clairol Hairbenders. Not oh, a good yeah, name, really. not as catchy. I also owned them at some point, of course, right? And they were similar to hot sticks, but rather than sticking the end through a loop, you sort of just bent them around themselves. And it was hard. Like you had to use a lot of muscle to bend them because they were very thick. They were super heavy, super hot, and they always smelled like burning plastic because that's essentially what they were. Mm-hmm. I would say, though, that the commercial for hairbenders was way better than hot sticks. It showed a woman on the subway with her hair in these benders, and it was the, I'll say a rap-inspired song <laughs> that said things like, you're going you're, you're gonna to curl your hair. You're going to make them stare. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, Rap-inspired. Yeah, rap-inspired, rap-adjacent, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and before I continue here, I just want to say that all of these devices had so many commercials on television, like constantly, and they were smart. They targeted to people like us, right? So it was like Saved by the Bell, Beverly Hills 90210. I have no doubt that, like Kim said, that they were on during TGIF because if you were like 12, that's what you were watching, right? Yeah. That was your Friday night. You were excited about it? Yeah, Mm -hmm. you were. And this was also the golden era of teen magazines, which don't exist anymore. You know, there was Seventeen and YM and and I'm probably missing some here, but I would buy all of those. In fact, I had subscriptions Mm -hmm. to most of them. My grandma would buy me subscriptions every year and they were all filled. I mean, they were basically just one big advertisement anyway, whether it was like an actual article or an actual ad. They were just filled with ads for like bizarro hairstyling devices and salon selective shampoo and Bonnie Bell products. And just thinking about them today, it was just like, oh, thinking about all the products that I saw in these magazines month after month, we definitely have to do an episode about it. Yeah. So next, this is another product that I totally had, Clairol Lock and Roll. They were these weird like it's like hard for me to describe, but they were like basket-shaped curlers called smoothies. They don't work with thicker long hair, which means they didn't work for me. They were also nearly impossible for me to figure out. And 
was just like yet another product that was good in theory, but incredibly disappointing in practice. Mm-hmm. Although, and the advertisements for it, them, the women always had like the most spectacular curls that you I know these they would not come mm-hmm. from these curlers. <laughs> there weren't How even enough curlers in the box, you know? You spooled it around these like little baskets? If I recall, the the baskety sides of it were actually like soft. And so you would roll it around and then you would flip that down, those sides, oh. and it would hold it in. But like it held like two strands of hair. I mean, it was just nothing. So if you had thick hair like me, you could only do like your bangs, the front of your hair, which of course I did. No wonder I looked so bad. <laughs> and yeah. my last forgotten hairstyling device of the 80s and 90s is – and everyone got this one for Christmas one yes. year too – it was the Braun Curl and Go Cord Free Iron. Did you have one of these, Kim? You know what? My sister had something really similar. Um, I did not have one of these, though. It made you feel sophisticated, like you had a place to go, but you didn't. <laughs> because the gimmick here was that rather than plugging into the wall, these used butane, which is the same thing you used in a cigarette lighter. They were these cartridges filled with butane that would heat up the curling iron. There were several models of this, which leads me to believe they were successful. And one of them was called The Independent. It has an amazing commercial featuring a woman riding in a black Porsche while curling her hair, oh. which is incredibly relatable for a junior high school yes, girl. absolutely. Totally. I had this one. I swear I never used it. It worked fine, but you know why I didn't use it? Because I was afraid of running out of butane and the, because yeah. the cartridges were actually more expensive than the curling iron. I remember my sister had one that did plug in to the wall and it was so loud. <laughs> it had like it had this like crazy loud motor sound. And I, I she always had the door shut. I could not understand what she that's was cr- doing that's in there. Terrifying. That is terrifying. And it was like, what? <laughs> Well, they, they made a sound. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, I also wanted to just give a shout out to all of the tiny hair dryers of the era. Mm-hmm. Why were they tiny? Who knows? They were travel. They, they were travel hair dryers. We were all just traveling, traveling all over the place. Jet setters. Jet setters. We had our butane curling iron and our tiny hair dryer. <laughs> it was definitely a trend. Like today I looked at so many tiny hair dryers of that era – you know, if you have a hankering for any of the products I've talked about today, they're all on eBay or Etsy. You can have them all. Good luck. <laughs> Send me a photo of how it works out. The thing about these tiny hair dryers is that they all smelled like burning hair. Yes, no matter did. what. Why? <laughs> the, most, the most popular one, and when I say popular, I'm like the one that most of my friends had and that was like in YM was called the Conair Wild Thing 1250. Mm-hmm. It was an animal print hair dryer with purple and teal like leopard, but like blown up leopard with a neon green cord. I mean, it was a hot look. It smelled so bad. I think <laughs> – I'm just speculating here, but it seemed like they were hotter than a regular hair dryer and therefore dangerous. Extra, just extra bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another friend of mine had a 90210 mini hairdryer that I thought was very cool. 
And it was – it turned – okay, so I thought maybe I had imagined this, but I Googled it and found it. It was a real thing. And it was also made by Conair. So it seems like maybe Conair was also owning this tiny hair dryer thing. Okay. Well, I've talked about all of the hot torture devices of the era. So let's talk about a few of the non-hot torture devices. These make me shudder just looking at pictures of them. The number one most torturous hair device, in my opinion, was the stretch comb headband. Oh, God. Yeah, some people call them the zigzag headband, but, like, there's no one who likes those, right? I I remember – no, I, I could never wear them. I could never figure out oh, how – they're so painful. I just thought I was putting them on wrong. I think that they didn't fit most heads, and I'll tell you why. Well, first off, it basically pulled your hair back, like, super-duper tightly. Yeah. Scratching your forehead while you put it on, literally giving you scratches, which probably already had a burn on them from some ill-advised thing you'd done earlier that week to your hair. And it would give you a headache that intensified yes. throughout the day. Like, I hated these, but my mom was a big fan of them, and she would always make me wear uh-huh. one on, like, holidays and for orchestra uh-huh. concerts because that's when you got dolled <laughs> up when you're, like, 12. Yeah. I would also add – and this is why I think that they were made for very small heads – that any sudden movement, and I'm a person that makes a lot of sudden movements, would unclip <laughs> the device and it would instantly – it was like the force of it being in, clipped in because there was just so much tension going on. Yeah. It would sort of like explode and spiral around in your hair and tangle itself into a situation in which your mom would have to help you untangle it for like five minutes. Oh. Now, perhaps – you want to try this for yourself, that you don't think that Kim and I are being fair to the stretch comb headband. Well, I have good news for you. You can still buy them. They make oh, them today. And they're made by that brand, Skunky, Skunsy. You know what I'm talking about. It's at every drugstore. It's at Target. Skunchy. Skunchy? I don't know. Skunky? Anyway. Could be any of it. Next is sort of like – the kissing cousin of the stretch comb headband. Mm. It's the banana clip. And I never could figure this one out either. Oh, so I don't know who invented this, but they are a monster. Mm-hmm. If you want pain all day, pain that grows with every hour, but you also want to have your poofy mall bangs out, the stretch comb headband's not going to work for you. But don't worry. You can use the banana clip. <laughs> Now, if that wasn't enough for you, you were like, oh, I'm so torn. I love them both so much. Don't worry. Someone combined these two torture devices into one. (laughs) It's a comb banana clip, just what the world needed. You can still buy those today, too. I'm pretty sure Skunky makes them. Skunky, whatever. How do you put these? I I could never get them on. Oh, my God. My mom was always buying these things for my hair because I have very thick hair. And it just like she felt like this was the only way to rein them in was with these horrible, horrible devices. Plastic, Uh, plastic pain combs. Just like I get a pain in my head just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. The 90s were also all about clips. But the catch was that they had to be really tiny, like tiny little butterfly clips Mm -hmm. or a massive oversized jumbo clip that could put your hair in some sort of updo. Because people in the 90s were really into updos. Yeah. Yeah. Something. And then you let your you let your like little layers, you know, those little stringies hang out. Totally, totally. And I will say 
The butterfly clips are back. I see them a lot. I saw them at Target today, actually, and I thought about buying some, although I have so much hair now. I don't think they will work, but when I was in my short Drew Barrymore phase of hair, I use them all the time. I actually told Kim a very tragic story about getting hit by a car on my bike. Um, I was actually riding to Ulta to get hair dye <laughs> in Chicago, and I wasn't wearing a helmet because I was only going like maybe 10 blocks. Got hit by a car, had all these butterfly clips in. I had to go to the emergency room where they like pulled them out of my scalp oh. and stitch it up. I didn't wear them again, but now I'm like, maybe I'm ready. Maybe I have recovered. <laughs> um, they're so cute oh. to me, you know? They are really cute. They did. They are your look. I feel like you could do like the, you know those little rows on the top where the yeah. girls are like the most. I think you could do some cute. Yeah. So I might. Mm-hmm. I might. I might try it. I mean, I'm bored. I'm here at home. Right. Okay. So next, this is the last sort of genre of hair devices I'm going to talk about. Were these like super complicated, super gimmicky devices that were often as seen on TV? Like they would literally have that logo yeah. on it. It doesn't seem like television is filled with hair accessory commercials anymore, but like when Kim and I were kids, these were on all the time. Like I was surprised how much of these commercials I remembered because a lot of these hair devices that I'm going to talk about had like extended length commercials and you might be able to call a 1-800 number and order them. Oh, wow. The big one was called Haragami. Haragami made a lot of promises, but it was basically a velour-covered snap bracelet. Do you remember snap bracelets? Who could forget, right? These somehow – now, I never had these, so I don't don't know how these worked. They were supposed to give you elegant updos. Unless your hair was thin, too long, too – I had them. Oh, you had them? Did it work Uh on you? Okay, it actually was pretty great because what you did was you kind of like, I think if I get this right, we had a homemade one that like my mom's friend's friend made. Oh my God, I love this. And um, it was, yeah, it was like a, a little bendy piece. I think if it was kind of like this one, you I think you like rolled your hair up in it from like the base mm-hmm. and then you twisted the hairigami and it did create kind of like a bun. Yes, I think you're right because I watched the commercial multiple times today mm-hmm. to try to figure this out. The slogan was just fold, wrap, and snap. Yep. So basically what you just talked yep. about. So the commercial is ridiculous. Made me laugh so hard. I remembered it so clearly. And it begins with like a geisha <gasps> allegedly off in Japan somewhere. And it says, in Japan – the art of folding paper is origami. And they put the word origami on the screen, just so you know. <laughs> now experience the art of folding hair with origami. <laughs> it is so hard at this commercial. is insane. And this wasn't con air. This is something totally new. This is the original origami. Yes. And I will say it seemed that a lot of these hair devices that were as seen on TV were made by, like, inventors who were cashing in on this stuff on TV. And there was a ton of stuff like that on television when you you and I were kids, like mm-hmm. food dehydrators and yes. I don't even know. All those infomercials were all, like, one person's dream. They invented something and now they were selling it. And these hair devices were all the same, right? There wasn't a lot of, like, R&D involved and they were all extremely low-tech. So very <laughs> low-cost, like – the one Harigami commercial I watched for just 1995, 
They would throw in like 10 of these harigami and some sort of special scrunchie and a book that would teach you about the art of hair coloring. It was like crazy. The one that I remember the most from television is called Topsy Tail. It looks like an IUD or something. Oh, wow. And the slogan was, if you can make a ponytail, you can topsy tail. And it was basically like this pick that you would stick into your ponytail that had like a plastic loop on it. And then you would just take the end of your ponytail and pull it up through the loop and pull out the the tool. And you would just have this sort of like what would still be a ponytail but with a little extra something, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I never had this. I didn't have hair that was long enough for it. It was for like very long hair. I remember girls at school using this and now I'm like, if I found one at the thrift store, I would have to try it out, you know, because I have enough time to do it now. And that commercial was on constantly. I want to say that these Topsy Tales were like $9.95 plus shipping and handling. And I mean, they easily cost 10 cents to make. So someone got rich off the Topsy Tail. Next was the Hairdini, which was considered a magic styling wand. The commercial for this one is really funny too because it starts out with like, look at this hairstyle that you paid $50 for at the beauty salon. A day later, look at it now and it's this woman who's like bedraggled. Like she's <laughs> outside. It was it's really like mean. It's like one of those trash commercials where it's like, look at this trash bag. Yeah. That was so it, barely, it barely holds the trash in it. Yeah. So the conceit <laughs> of this commercial is that you could go to the beauty salon and throw throw away $50 for a dazzling updo, but you know what? It's just going to be complete garbage the next day. <laughs> You're going to feel like an asshole. So instead, you should buy the Hairdini Magic Styling Wand. It said that it would give you styles that look like they were at least $50 at a hair salon. Wow. And it came with a VHS, which I thought was really Ooh. funny, that showed you styling tips for how to use this. And it was just like a weird – plastic like I don't know it wasn't exactly a stick it was tapered a little bit it was really weird you would stick it in and wind your hair all up it gave you these like definitely like I'm a woman who works at the bank updos like the French twist yes that's exactly what it gave you uh yes. it's just like so funny that we we're all obsessed with like middle-aged hair in that <laughs> era because that was like classy. It and was. We wanted to be classy. We all wanted to be classy. Yeah. We want to be old. Yeah, but it's yeah. true. I do remember this being the era of like, do you remember glamour shots? Yes, we. Were, I just mentioned glamour shots. Definitely. Okay, so I had a friend. Her name was Trisha. I talked about her in the last episode. Actually, she's the one who farted at the slumber party <laughs> and cried and had to go home. Anyway, for her, gosh, I want to say. It was her 15th birthday. Her mom took her to Glamour Shots. And then we went over to her house for her birthday. And her mom is showing us these pictures. Kim, she looked like she was 45. <laughs> it is so insane. Were you jealous? Or did you actually recognize that she looked like she was 45? No, I recognized that she looked 45. Like my friend Shannon and I were like, what the fuck? <laughs> what happened – why? Like I – even I was like, what could they do to a 15-year-old girl to make her look 45? In fact, I would hazard that she looks older than we are right now. <laughs> it was a very, very strange – I mean, yes, I'm sure they put a lot of makeup on her and they did her hair weird. But like it's still – there was this sheen of grown woman 
on top of it. Wow. And I feel like it was weird, like photo editing. It was really, really it was like weird. Barbara it, Walters diffusion. I I remember that it was very crisp and clear. Actually, oh. I would say if if you're listening to this and you have glamour shots, please send them to us because I want to see if it was just poor Trisha or if this was normal or if perhaps it was just the Galleria Mall location that was making teenage girls like young teenage girls. <laughs> look like 45-year-old businesswomen. It was so bizarre. Well, I mean, so I feel like that was the kind of – that was the time period when it was like, oh, gosh. Um, sorry. What was the that child murder? And she was like – she was like a oh, – John Binet. Yes. Yeah, I guess it was around John Binet times. And they made right? her look like she was a lot older. Oh, what a weird time. What a weird time. I wish – I mean, there's no way I would reach out to Trisha and be like, she saw those glamour shots, but <laughs> <laughs> so bizarre. And I bet they were expensive. Yeah. So my last as seen on TV hair product is called the Part Possess. Oh. It was from the makers of Harigami. And this was like these two seemingly separate sticks that were joined on the end that would give you a zigzag part, which – I totally remember being obsessed oh, yeah. with. I wanted a zigzag part. I was trying it all the time. And the tagline was, want to know the secret art to getting that Hollywood part? <laughs> but how did – didn't you just do it with your hands? Or like a I comb? did it with comb. My, yeah. my hairdresser actually showed me how to take one of those like rat tail combs mm-hmm. and do it. And it's very easy. So I don't know why you would buy this tool because I don't even understand this tool. And I watched the commercial. Hmm. Also, all the women in the commercial had that Karen hair. <gasps> like Karen hair has been around for a while. It has been. It has been. It a really has while. been. It's so bizarre. Um, and then I just wanted to just remind everybody also that this was the golden era of like the pick. You had to have that for your perm. Um, the back combing comb, you know, like I put a picture in our document that we were using, you know, for our research and it was this comb that is blue. It's like a wide tooth comb. It's blue, pink and white tips. Oh my God. I can remember what that comb feels like in my hand. (laughs) I use the hell out of that. And I also just had to, you know, give a special shout out to the combination comb pick. It would be like the comb and then the pick was on the end. Had so many of those in my house. From Goody. Yes, from Goody. Oh, and this branding, this branding looks like it's – they haven't changed in years. They haven't. <laughs> they have uh, one of the stores out here that is like a local chain, they have like three locations, is called Goods. And it's a department store that is primarily for Amish and Mennonite people, but also just people who live in the country. And they have one of the most robust – barrette departments i've ever seen i get really excited to go look in the barrettes at goods and like it's a wall of goodie packaging and it looks exactly the same as when we were kids it's classic like a sally beauty yeah yeah Uh, haven't Mm. been in one of those in a long time right all right well to finish us off i'm gonna take us into the realm of hair care products that were trending and made this time so special so, you know, in the 80s, because we're going to go from the 80s to the 90s, well, yeah, it's mostly 80s stuff here. But um, so to get that size and height, you know, the perm was pretty necessary. But to get that New Jersey, Long Island, or Texas height, you also had to use <laughs> some hairspray, 
mousse and gel. You know, Aquanet was still used, but it was kind of dated, you know, and obviously mm-hmm. we were getting targeted like crazy with all these new hair products and that these products that were specifically made for the younger, the younger kids and maybe 20 year olds and whatever, whatever. Um, so that was the LA looks hair gel and hairspray and the oh. Aussie hairspray was really big to get that, that crunch I mean- and that sticky stay. <laughs> A sprunch spray. It was called sprunch. Was I remember it? this so clearly. Aussie sprunch spray. I used, I mean, all of these products. Mm-hmm. The Depp hair gel. Mm-hmm. The LA looks hair gel. I remember my brother used the LA looks hair gel. It was LA like looks. for boys or something. But I remember that teen magazines would come with like little samples of yeah. Depp all the time. Mm-hmm. Like that was the brand and it was like what a dollar it was nothing it it barely it was i was actually shocked at how cheap it was i remember and we got so much of it it would be such a that la looks one especially was like a gallon i swear to god so much and i can remember the way it smelled mm-hmm. it made your hair disgusting disgusting um and the, yeah there was, and no, then the, there was no product education so we were just globbing no. it on. oh my god so much gel so much <laughs> So much. And the Aussie stuff, I remember at that time, was like a little bit more premium. It was. You know, like like maybe that was $3. It was international. Yeah, it was Australian. Australian. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to get into it in a little bit, about a little bit about it. But actually, it was from the U.S. <laughs> what? Yes. Stop. Yes. I'm crushed. I know. Oh. Well, there was also Rave Hairspray, too, that was super popular. And mm-hmm. I remember getting the depth that depth gel and trying to do that wet look that just makes, you put so much on there and you slick it back and it gets just like crunchy and hard. It's so gross. And sometimes it would flake off. No. Like it wasn't <laughs> so dangerous. much it gel. It didn't happen to me as much, but like my brother mm-hmm. had spiked hair. That was what uh, yep. boys at that time had. And he had to go hard on the depth or the LA <laughs> look. And it would flake off on like his forehead. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it was such a bad time. <laughs> if you wanted to get some metallic color change, do you remember Pizzazz? Yes. It was this mousse okay. from Clairol. <laughs> my grandma bought me this one that was like a purpley metallic, mm-hmm. which on my like dirty blonde hair made me look like I was going gray. Yeah, it didn't. The color was terrible. It was terrible. It work. <laughs> like you had to have like platinum blonde hair for it to even look good. Yeah, it was oh god. And I mean the, like these companies must have been making hand over fist because oh everyone sure. used some sort of like hair product. And there wasn't and very there wasn't many options. And I think no. like we were constantly cycling through new products, testing new products, trying new brands. Like there was no brand loyalty. At no. least at least for me, you know, it was just like whatever no, was, whatever glamour dust on TV with like beautiful mm-hmm. hair or cool style or that's like some you know celebrity was using we wanted to try it and it was affordable totally. we, we would try whatever you wanted um so aussie hair brand was really hot and had that really interesting smell like it wasn't a good smell but it wasn't a no. bad smell it was just a no. weird smell you remember yes. it, right yeah i do i do and like there's no one who thought that smelled good right but we yeah. had been so like 
beguiled by the advertising around it that we assumed that it smelled weird because it was Australia, but that was what made it cool and better. Well, it was it was founded by um, an American person who went to Australia and found some like ingredients that apparently you know were made this product really special and of course all we wanted to know was how special it is and they're like three minute miracle you know so much of that and it wasn't was it ever a miracle nothing was a miracle there was no miracle no miracles um so they really aligned with like natural stuff like the miracle had the papaya and they had hair salad that was like all naturally derived oh my god that hair salad Mm -hmm. was not not good not good none of it none of it was really good it was none of it was but we used it in our house like that shampoo Mm -hmm. we used it as a family yeah well Apparently, the Natural Skincare Authority and Livestrong have actually both criticized Aussie for its use of controversial chemicals in its manufacturing oh. process. And in wow. fact, the Natural Skin Skincare Authority has rated Aussie shampoo a 1.1 out of 10, characterizing the hair care product as highly toxic. <laughs> in- no way. You can still buy it. Yeah. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't actually go near it. It's practically like radiation. It's really bad for you. That's insane. I mean, we all used it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it it was just kind of the marketing angle. And you could get away with a lot more back then. But, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, the Natural Skincare Authority has also stated that the Aussie Mega Shampoo does not meet any natural ingredient parameters when it was constantly talking about being natural. And additionally, the brand has been frowned upon for testing on animals when its products have not been certified organic. And they're also use all these synthetic chemicals. It's like all this stuff, you know, and we all, all we did was mm-hmm. like this amazing new product. And really, it was just just basically garbage you're putting on your on your hair. Uh-huh. Do you remember the Stu, Stu Studio line by L'Oreal? Um, yes. And I had this like Piet Mondrian uh-huh. influenced like – design graphic design and i remember i mean man i feel like i used that for a long time like because it's cool it was cool and it was like in the magazines all the time i remember they had this like foam that you could pump up it would make your hair wavy or something it was all garbage i'm sure but i was garbage and none of this i if i recall and you can tell me if if i'm wrong the studio line stuff also smelled bad I yeah, I think it was closer to Depp. I don't think there was a good. I think it was yeah. more of a chemically sticky smell. But yeah, yeah. the packaging it had the Mondrian distilled design. So cool. There we had this 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 gelling curls that had the wavy bottle. Yeah. Oh my god, that definitely was in my house. Yeah, lots of but cool I, stuff. I kind of feel felt like. Because there was like 10, 12 different things in the line that really it was all the same stuff. It was. Bottles. It was. It made your hair very sticky. I remember it was a very sticky. Super sticky. It never helped do anything. No. It never, did, it never did anything that made your hair look good. And this was a little bit more expensive too, like the Aussie stuff. It was you know, L'Oreal. Like, so yeah, it was fancy. fancy. Yeah. Getting into – like the actual shampoo and conditioners, you know, we had Pert, we had Breck, we had, gee, your hair smells terrific. And we had Ultra Swim for chlorine mm. swimming pool hair. Do you yes. remember that? So it wouldn't go green. I wonder what uh-huh. happened to that. There was Flex. 
Do you oh, know yeah. there was a flex flex Facebook group dedicated to bringing back the original formula? There's actually a Stop. lot of it. There's a lot. So my mom was and still is very promiscuous about shampoo, like no brand loyalty. No, no. Uh-uh. And so my whole t- childhood and even, you know, I mean, I haven't talked to my mom in a year, but I'm sure if I went to her house right now, she would have five, six, seven different shampoos in her shower. Mm-hmm. She likes to mix it up. Mm-hmm. She gets bored. Someone told her a long time ago that if you keep using the same shampoo, it stops working. I'm sure you've heard that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Have you heard that? I, I feel like actually even around this time, there was a shampoo that you're supposed to buy to use in between other bottles of shampoo to get, quote get rid of the buildup. Do you know what yes, I'm talking about? Yes. I remember seeing this on television and in magazines. So we did use Flex here and there. Mm-hmm. I can remember the bottle. I want to say it was blue. It was. I was thought of a men's brand. Yeah, it had a manly vibe. We didn't use mm-hmm. that as much as some of the other ones you're going to talk about, but it would come into the mix mm-hmm. sometimes. I don't think mm-hmm. it smelled yeah. good. It was weird. It smelled manly. Yeah. I mean, what, you know, like, obviously, a lot of the keys here was it having a celebrity endorser, like, Mm -hmm. like a model, or an or like an actor or actress, and they just look so fucking amazing in these commercials that, yeah, you didn't have any brand loyalty, because you were constantly trying to achieve a look that was completely impossible to get from hair, like shampoo and conditioner, you know? (laughs) So I was like, okay, see this commercial and they're promising all these things. And I'm going to get into that in a second. Like that was one of the biggest things is like the, all these, these promises that just were completely <laughs> non-achievable. Totally. totally. Uh, so you see Sharon Stone with finesse. You see Brooke Shields with Wella Balsam, Christy Brinkley with Prell. Like I say all these names and they, you, you immediately feel disappointment because you'd wanted to be that and you never got there no. because of your shampoo. And those three sure. shampoos were like the worst ones. They were. They were such garbage. They were so bad. That's what like boys use. Yes. And I believe – I could be wrong here. Prell was one of those shampoos that would remove hair coloring from your hair if you messed up. If you like mm. washed it the same day. Oh, it's like – like paint paint stripper, yeah, essentially. Yeah, like there's no way cool. Christy Brinkley was using Prell. Uh-uh. They were just making tons of money off of yeah. this. So we that's kind of what we had until Salon Selectives came on the scene. Uh, I can remember the theme song from the commercials. Mm-hmm. It was like Salon Selectives, Salon Girls, Salon Girl, or something like that. It was so terrible. Yeah. The tagline was feel like you stepped out of a soul. Wow. And they also said, why do some women look like they just stepped out of a salon? And the claim is because they simply just use salon selective products. Not that, you know, this model (laughs) had just been professionally styled with like styling products. You know, but you know, you, you, Back in the day, we were a little bit more naive, I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, we just – We were uneducated consumers. The, yeah, for sure. Uneducated consumers. And we thought that we could achieve this miraculous hair because obviously, you know, this this commercial is telling us and this beautiful woman is walking around with beautiful hair. You know, and it, this one was one of like – it was such a hype maker. And you really felt like this was a seriously premium experience because – this was one of the first ones that offered seven levels to fit your perfect <laughs> oh my needs. God. And they promised to revolutionize your hair. So you got to pick from all these different levels. You're like the curly hair, the flat hair, you know, was, and 
and it, and it, you, you felt like you could, you know, achieve some goal that you didn't even realize you had. And with this like beautiful green apple scent. Remember how everything smelled like green apple back then? It did. But I do remember Salon Selective smelling really good. I don't know if I would mm-hmm. like it now. I Like when you say green mm-hmm. apple, it's like gross. It's gross. But because that was now cheap. Back then, it was, it was expensive. Mm-hmm. Green apple scent was new and fresh. It's hilarious. I always thought <laughs> that at this time specifically that if it was coconut scented, it was very premium. Oh, and I will tell you why. Why? And I will get, get into that in a minute because it was Paul Mitchell. <gasps> it was Oh my God, you're so right. Talk about premium because that was like a salon brand. Yeah. Unlike salon selectives, which you could literally get at Walgreens. <laughs> You know, yeah, you could, be, yeah, and I will actually get into Paul Mitchell because I went down a little rabbit hole there. But oh, I can't um, wait. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I do think that Salon Selective's marketing department was just really great, and they kind of just bit down these fal- false promises, mm-hmm. and that we're used to now. But back then, it was something. It was something totally revolutionary. And so these commercials had the women with the British accent, <gasps> and at that yes. time period, yeah, that seems super premium and marketers were really realizing that american consumers loved faux science talk so there was charts mm-hmm. there was cross sections to show how the product penetrated your hair like pant- <laughs> the way you just said penetrated i'm like uh-huh. traumatized <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of takes us into this pro vitamin thing because they talked oh. about pro vitamins and that's then pantene came on the mm-hmm. scene talking about their Pro vitamins. So it's like Pantene Pro V, Revlon Outrageous, where nutrients were the name of the game. And it was kind of like this weird science thing. And 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 everyone was kind of biting down on that, um, on that angle. Then we move into Clairol's herbal essences. I mean, talk about a brand that mm-hmm. took us all by storm. I yeah. bought this for years. Yes, it did. And it tapped into the zeitgeist. It mm-hmm. stood out loudly with their bold, if not sort of controversial marketing and their super scent forward angle. You know, like I think this was when people really realized that consumers wanted their hair to seriously smell good, you know? Mm-hmm. And this was the, this was the company that was actually doing it. So Kara McGrath over at Bustle has a whole article about the cult of herbal essences. I can't wait to read it. And it really actually started out as a hippie brand in the early 1970s. So I remember this. My mom would use this, the original. Yeah, the original. And there actually is a Facebook group of people wanting them to bring back the original. Oh my God. I mean, I, it's probably garbage for yeah. your hair, but it had like beautiful like Art Nouveau yes. bohemian labeling. And it was green or at least the bottle was green. And I... Once again, who knows what it really smelled like, but I remember it being very herby and pleasant. Do you did you ever use it? No, I don't I don't really remember that one. I remember the when they brought it back or they brought it or they they reinvented it. But when they reinvented it, it was totally different. I mean, I was obsessed with it when they reinvented it, but mm-hmm. the original was like it had this very like green smell to it. That makes um, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different than where it went. And I, 
I mean, you're going to talk about it, but I feel like people would identify themselves based on the color of herbal essences that they used because mm-hmm. there was like pink and mm-hmm. I used the pink, which I think was for dry hair because, you know, I was doing all that flat ironing or whatever. But uh, there was like a beige and then maybe there was a green. I'm not really sure, but it was it was a hot topic around, you know, junior high. It really was. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't that much to talk about. So, yeah, this was, this was a hot topic. <laughs> we didn't have much, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know that Procter and Gamble has their very own historian. Wow, they have like books and everything, you know. And so they, she was interviewed in this article from Bustle. Um, her name is Lisa Mulvaney, um, and she kind of describes the background of herbal essences in this um, in this article. You know, so you know with a scent forward angle, nat and a natural angle, as well as standing out with these orgasmic ads. Herbal essences took serious market share in the 90s. And, you know, also very serious in the 90s. The line actually started in the 70s as the singular. It was just called herbal essence. That was, that was, it wasn't herbal essences yet. So the original. It was just one essence. Just one essence. Just just herbal essence. Um, So the original product distinguished itself with its amazing scent, like you were talking about, different from anything in the market. The brand really tapped into this desire for scent in the industry in the 70s, as well as the demand for more naturally inspired product that coincided with the trend in the 70s toward natural foods, herbal teas, and herbal beauty products. By the 90s, that product was really tired. And the the people over at Clairol actually really wanted this product to be performing better. So they actually just rebranded and relaunched it. So they put a bunch of money into they're like, okay, we have something here, but you know, it needs to appeal to the 90s consumer. So they added an S to the name and re-released it with four different varieties of shampoo and conditioner, like you were talking about, made for different hair needs. They wanted people to understand that there are different wildflower essences in this new product. Um, so that's why they added that the S to the end of it. Um, and <laughs> then they launched what is arguably the most iconic herbal essences bottle. It was clear with a reverse label that can be seen through the shampoo. Do you remember that? Oh. It was so chic. Mm-hmm. You remember seeing be like, wow. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw it, I was like, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. It was genius. It was genius. And the smell was genius too, because we were so used to kind of singular notes. This was just a bouquet, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember it. And it was like flowery mm-hmm. and fruity. And herbally. It was just so much. It was so, so much. much. It was like in your face. So this new variety of ingredients did extremely well and was in fact on fire, this historian says. You know, Clairol was the first brand to really look at how to use these natural ingredients and the variety of ingredients to deliver these types of products to benefit more than one hair texture. So along with the iconic fragrances, the real cinchers were the television ads for the fresh new version of the shampoo, and it helped ensure herbal essences stuck in the consumer's brains. The premise was simple. A woman is doing something super mundane, like riding in an elevator or gossiping with a coworker or just lifting weights at the gym <laughs> or looking at a patient who apparently had taken some sleeping pill <laughs> when suddenly she finds herself lathering up in the shower or surrounded by muscle men who are lathering her up. Oh, my God. The phrase lathering yes. her up. Lathering. Yes. 
So the pleasure caused by the incredible scent of herbal essences shampoo makes it impossible for the woman to open her eyes or to stop moaning and screaming, yes, yes, yes. You know, like from Harry Met Sally. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Which I think is probably where they kind of got it from was a Harry Met Sally thing. They're polarizing, Mulvani says, when you ask about their reaction to the ads, you know, they certainly get your attention. So the commercials were so successful that P&G kept running the versions of them after the company acquired Clairol. And the commercials lasted them all the way through the early 2000s. I mean, I remember one. This is the one that sticks out to me the most, which was people on an airplane hearing a woman moaning and yelling. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. Because yes. she's in the disgusting airplane bathroom washing her hair. Have you tried to turn on the tap water? It, like, you can't quite wash your hair. I know. It's so crazy. I mean, like, what a bad premise. Maybe bathrooms were better back then. At least you could bring a gallon of water on board with you so you could take that in there and wash your hair. Right. Oh, my God. Absurd. (laughs) Well, the real premium, though, here was Paul Mitchell. So this is something you'll be really excited about because, yes, it did smell like coconut. And coconut was pretty much the scent of really nice salons. It was. Because he's using Paul Mitchell. Mm Mm-hmm. And this was like the creme de la creme hair supplies. And I remember going to a hairdresser in the mall once who just used Paul Mitchell and I just felt like a queen. And you couldn't get these supplies anywhere besides getting them at a hair salon. Mm -hmm. So naturally I did a little bit of research to understand the brand and I found a really interesting story. So you remember the commercials with that handsome bearded guy who said, you're going to like the way you look, I guarantee. Yeah, he was very handsome. Yes. So that was John Paul Jones DeJoria. And he was the co-founder alongside John Paul Mitchell. Both of them are John Paul, strangely enough. Wow. This is already weird. <laughs> I know. Very weird. And it's kind of a regs. It's actually a really great story. This guy is actually really amazing. And it's a regs to riches story and a feel-good story. And there's actually a whole mov- movie. There's a documentary about it. Uh, about DeJoria, who struggled in his youth and was homeless many times. And he became a door-to-door salesman and eventually one of the most successful salesmen at Redkin, Mm. which was one of a few professional salon brands Mm -hmm. at that time. Before essentially being forced out because he had really unconventional and outspoken views on animal cruelty. Um, So he founded this brand with John Paul Mitchell, who was a celebrity hair hairstylist in the 70s. And he founded it in 1980. Um, and he basically recreated that same approach as Red, Redken to keep it a professionally distributed brand. They started out with only $700 between them and built this iconic brand. So the infamous black and white bottle was initially just a cost-cutting measure since they could really only afford generic So with the foundation of never testing on animals and innovative, actually natural ingredients like awapui, coconut, tea tree, um, they built this system out of three products that they had originally launched with. um, And they decided to create products for professional stylists that would cut the time needed to do a client's hair. Mm -hmm. The first products created, yeah, right, were two types of single application shampoo where other shampoos at the time were actually multiple application. Remember, it was like wash, rinse, repeat? Which, from what I've heard, one from an episode of Oprah and two mm-hmm. from some sort of magazine, you're not supposed to do that. No. It's a scam to get you to use more shampoo. Thank you, Oprah. 
Thank you, Oprah. They also had a leave-in conditioner that improved blow-dry results. So it was like, it was a system. Mm-hmm. And they built this system with a really great marketing model. And they presented it to these hair salons and slowly built a f- giant following out of these hair salons, which is why we now equate John Paul with um, John Paul Mitchell with um, uh, with being extremely professional, stream quality. Mm-hmm. So the first, um, yeah. So the duo flipped the beauty industry on its head by changing the salon model itself. Weekly hair appointments were replaced with less frequent visits to a stylist, who instead educated clients on how to use and style their own hair with these hair products. So it was a built-in marketing system kept running by stylists in salons across the world that other hair care companies have since copied. John Paul Mitchell actually died in 1989, kind of at the height of building this whole um, this whole cult following of pancreatic cancer. And DeJoria just took over completely. Um, they eventually also had a ton more products like the cult classic sculpting gel. Mm. Um, DeJoria now owns um, Patron. Oh, and really? Yeah. Yeah. He like founded it back way back in the day. And he's really highly philanthropic businessman. And he's always thinking of others and doing for others. And there's like, like I said, there's a really great documentary about him. He's signed the giving pledge alongside 150 billionaires. And he gives 50% of his earnings to better the world. And he contributes to over 160 charities worldwide. So, you know, yeah, it's like kind of a good business model and um, very, very, um, aspirational yeah uh and so i guess the one of the last things i wanted to talk about was just sun in oh actually there's a few just a few more but sun in was is one of the last ones and that was essential i didn't actually i didn't really use it um but it was a hair lightener that you sprayed on and then you went outside and you like sat in your backyard and it was just super notorious for damaging your hair and turning it orange Mm -hmm. and it dry brittle straw that you could never fix yeah and i mean this could just be an urban legend but i believe it it makes sense that if you used sun in and then got a perm your hair would break off i i don't dispute that what was in it it smelled so bad peroxide there was actually oh, peroxide well, there in you it. go oh yeah yeah, so that was that was a really it, that was kind of one of the reasons why everyone had that damaged yeah, hair look. Yeah, but then you used Alberto VO five hot oil. Oh yeah, you know what? Okay, this is gonna sound so weird. Last night I had a dream where I bought hot oil, and I was oh my god, I was in my dream. This is so silly. I heated up a mug of water in the microwave and was waiting for the oil to get hot in it. <gasps> what a wow. strange thing to dream. And I assumed it was because Dustin and I are always joking about hot oil, but who knows? I mean, it, it was like a it was like the 60-second deep conditioner. It was kind of the first real home spa self-care product. Mm-hmm. It felt premium. It felt very it felt premium. Really premium. And and it was really necessary at the time. I don't really I, I always felt kind of like greasy. I felt like it never really worked personally. I don't think it did either, but there was another thing that I would buy to like treat myself and have a luxurious experience at home. And it was these like packets of deep conditioner mm-hmm. made by St. Ives. Oh, yeah. And it was like another one of those like three minute miracle mm-hmm. things. And it was really minty. Oh. Okay. I don't know if you were, I feel like they were 
it was like treat yourself, spend two dollars. I remember these. Yeah. Uh huh. It's really thick conditioner. Yes, and I don't know if it worked, but you felt like you were doing something. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least you were trying. Cut, you know, I cancel out all that sun in. God, mm-hmm. I can't believe it was peroxide. I'm so retroactively angry. <laughs> Which is why everyone had got this like crazy orange hair. So if you tried to go from like a really like your color, like a dark brown, and you mm-hmm. tried it, it would turn your hair orange. If you had lighter colored hair, it worked sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it would make my hair – because remember, my natural hair is much lighter. It would make my hair oh. very light in the summer. My mom would let me okay. – the only time I got to use it is every year we would go on vacation to the beach for a week – and she would let me use sun in on this trip. I don't know why, but it made me feel very sophisticated. And of course, I've come back with like, I mean, parts of my hair would be almost white, but also straw. It's just disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. Just pure yeah. peroxide. Well, speaking of that, you know, in the 90s, we definitely got more subdued with the cuts, but we got way louder with our color. Mm-hmm. Um and I was particularly super experimental. I dyed my hair magenta because of Angela, like I said, from my so-called life. I also used Manic Panic, which was really popular, and dyed my hair blue at the end of eighth grade. By the time I got to ninth grade over the summer, I had this like dishwater green Ooh. hair, <laughs> you know? And then you kind of went bleachy, you know? I think th- there was a, just a lot more experimentation mm-hmm. of color. Chunky highlights were extremely popular. Frosted tips were really big for guys. Um, I think that's when people really started kind of getting into like the hair color. Mm-hmm. My friend, Laura Curley, the one who had that really mm-hmm. long-term perm, there was something that she would buy and I I don't remember the brand of it. It was not something that I ever bought because by then I was dyeing my hair like black, but it was something you could buy at the drugstore that was like a color wash sort of that would give your hair that red Angela Chase. Book. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember? I had that. It was a shampoo. There was different. There was a couple different ones. You could get one. You could get a more professional one that was more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you'd wash your hair. It was like a color rinse essentially, and it would build up. It worked on her. Yeah. I mean, she would look. Her hair would get very red. Yes. Yeah, because it's like if your parents wouldn't let you dye it, you could do this, and you'd leave it in there for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I remember she got in trouble because it stained the grout in her parents' shower. <laughs> yes. I remember actually my manic panic. Um, it stained our uh, our, our phone. We <gasps> had this like cordless white phone. No, it just stained, stained anything. It stained everything that it touched. It was just anything porous just got blue. Like I think I, I, I had to like sleep. I feel like I had to sleep on like a, um, a towel, like a Dirty, not a dirty, but like you know, like a a bad towel. Mm-hmm. Oh I yeah, mean, I know all about the bad towels. Yeah, I was, I was dying everything blue. Oh my god, for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, takes me back. Nineties. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a journey this has been. Wow, I know. <laughs> it made, it's like I really not want to look in the mirror because my hair is so grown out and bad looking. I just. I would. I'm really looking forward to a, a haircut eventually. I will say, not that this brand sponsors us, but I have found that Madison Reed has been doing a really good job on coloring my hair. So that's what you've been saying. It's really high quality, or at least they're tricking me into it the way Salon Selectives did. I don't know, but uh, it looks really, really good. So. 
that's always a good solution for now if you just need to pick me up. Uh, I think they even have like a guarantee that if mm-hmm. you don't like it, they give you your money back or something. So it's like pretty low risk, except you might oh. ruin your hair. No big deal. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to like. I, I I've actually went on their website. And you mm-hmm. have to like go through this mm-hmm. whole process of like, what color? You know, like they don't want you to. They want they want to guide you a little bit more, which is actually pretty. Yeah, pretty yeah. Cool. And they, I mean, it's like really just thoughtful packaging and everything they send with you. And it's like they really dumb it down. I mean, I've been dyeing my own hair my whole life, so I don't need that kind of hand holding. But I'm really impressed with how thorough and thoughtful it is. So. Once again, they don't sponsor us. This is just me saying, well, this was such a fun episode. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to have so much stuff on our website, thedepartment.world, so you too can enjoy this. Because maybe you kind of remember these products, but you'll see a photo and it will jog your memory. That'll all be there. All the commercials that I watched today, um, all Mm -hmm. kinds of info. So please check it out. And Kim will be sharing all kinds of amazing hairspirational content this week on Instagram. <laughs> Looking forward <laughs> to it. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Bye.